Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Well, good morning. On this God's work, our hands weekend of service. It is wonderful to greet you. Um, I, I can't believe we, we wore the same shirt today. It's just unbelievable. All of you had the same idea. Well, I don't know about you, but when I read Luke chapter 14, at the end of that, instead of saying the word of the Lord, I just kind of wanted to go, woo, right? Well, if this was Minnesota, I'd just go, oofta, right? Right? Come on, you can laugh. Bad pastor jokes. They get worse as the sermon goes on. Um, this is a hard reading. These are some of the harshest words that we, we get from Jesus. He, he plainly says, you cannot be my disciple unless you hate your mother and father. And some of you out there are like, well, then I'm his disciple because I don't like my mom or dad or brother or sister. Maybe you're quarreling with them. But these are hard words for us. We live in a culture and a society that values the family. Those are good things. We're called to love one another, to serve one another. And it's a little confusing, isn't it? Because Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, he, he cares for his own family. He forms a family of his own, of, of friends, hanging on the cross in one of the Gospels with his mother standing by. He says, mother, here is your son, pointing to another disciple, and son, here is your mother. Jesus cares about families. So what is going on here? What's happening? How do we make sense of this? This call to carrying one's cross, which might come, as Jesus indicates, or actually, as Jesus indicates, will come at the expense of everything you value, everything you care about. Your whole identity will come into question, Jesus says, if you choose to continue following me. Those are hard words for us to digest. In Luke chapter 14, we're told here that there is a large crowd that has been following Jesus. Multitudes have been following him. And as I've studied this passage this week, I've wondered about the internal dialogue that might have been going on for Jesus. What was Jesus wrestling with? What were his thoughts during this season of his ministry that was marked by miracles? that was marked by excitement, that was marked by an increasingly larger crowd following him. On the one hand, I imagine Jesus was thrilled. He was excited that people were getting a glimpse of the kingdom of God that he came to proclaim and, and to announce. He was excited that there were healings and people's faith was encouraged and, and people were were, were, their hearts were warmed by this radical community that was forming. I imagine that Jesus was happy about his ministry. He's healed the blind. He's, he's welcomed in outcasts. He's done everything he came to do. But on the other hand, I wonder if Jesus internally was sick. His stomach was unsettled. Because Jesus understood where his journey was leading him, which was into Jerusalem to be crucified 
I wonder if Jesus felt a responsibility for those multitudes that were following him. And I wonder if he struggled with the reality that, that many of them were headed, if they continued to follow him, towards a similar fate. Do you see that struggle? Multitudes are excited. They're overjoyed by this ministry. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah that will restore the throne of David and they are going to follow him all the way into his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And there they think that they're headed towards a giant feast, a giant party, but Jesus understands that, that the story will not end that way. It will end with a phony trial and a false conviction and a crucifixion. And so Jesus feels this responsibility for them. Has anyone here ever driven across the great, great western front of the United States? Anyone here driven across? I know you have, Frank. Anyone here driven across the Dakotas? Right? Big sky country in America? It's breathtaking. I've had the joy of driving across the country three or four times, there and back for different reasons. And my favorite trip across the country was with my best friend, Chris. We decided to work for a summer on a dude ranch in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And so Chris and I piled into his little Oldsmobile, and we headed off, and it took us a few days to get to Wyoming. But on the way there, we started noticing something that was vitally important to our trip going well. There were little green signs on the side of the road, that would say, next stop, 90 miles, right? Next opportunity for gasoline or food, 90 miles or 80 miles. And Chris and I started to learn we had to pay attention to those. So every time we came across one of those green signs, next stop, 90 miles, it forced us to check a number of things. First, the, the fuel tank. Do we have enough gas for the journey? Can we get there? Do we need to stop and fill up? Second, are bags of Cool Ranch Doritos, are they full or are they empty? Now, this was like 15 years ago, guys, so don't judge. Third, our stockpile of Mountain Dew. Are we good? And lastly, you got to pee? Do I got to pee? Are we good? Are you good? Are we good? Do we have gas? Do we have Doritos? Do we have... Mountain Dew, do we have to go to the bathroom? No, let's ride, right? But if we needed any one of those things or we thought we might, we would stop. That's how I've come to look at this little scene in Luke chapter 14, right? The large crowd is following Jesus and he's wrestling internally with what he's leading these people into that he's certain they're not fully aware of and so he throws up a road sign, so to speak. And he uses hyperbole, strong language, to give them a fair warning. Are you sure you want to continue on this journey of heading into Jerusalem? Because everything you value, everything you love, your mother and father, your sister and brother, yes, even your own life as you know it, might come into jeopardy if you're going to continue to be associated with me. And to continue down this journey, 
you too will have to bear a cross. Your faith will have to grow to be sacrificial. For that is the way to true life. I want to be clear. I don't think Jesus is giving the people a warning that they have to earn their salvation or earn God's love. Christ alone would be crucified on the cross, putting to death once and for all sin and hatred and the power of darkness. Christ alone would secure our salvation. But Jesus understood that living a life of faith will require sacrifice. It will be a hard thing. You see, Jesus wasn't concerned at church growth. He wasn't ever concerned with the multitudes. He wasn't concerned with growing his celebrity. He wasn't concerned with making everyone happy. What Jesus was concerned with was cultivating disciples who learned to live and love like him even in the face of adversity, even in the face of false accusations. And at the end of his story, here in the Gospels in Luke 24, we see that standing at a far distance from the cross is a small group of those disciples. Jesus would go from having multitudes following him to a very small contingent who stood a safe distance away, that that was the life they were in for. So we can make better sense of these words, can't we? Are you sure you want to continue following? Do you want to face that? The question for us to wrestle with, I think, in 2019 as suburban Christians who have a lot of privilege and we have a lot of luxury to come to worship, to have this amazing community to, to live in and to live out our faith, it's a hard question for us to, to digest. But how is our faith calling us to self-sacrifice? How is your faith calling you to bear a cross? I think we all face the same temptation. It's a blessing on the one hand, but yet it runs counter to the words of Scripture that our faith can become too comfortable as Christians in this social location. It can become too convenient. It can become too easy. And there will always be an element of our faith that calls us to carry a cross, that calls us to lose our life in order to find it, that calls us to risk all of those things that we have built an identity up for ourselves with, to lose that, to take up our true identity as disciples of Christ, as children of God, who are put to death in this holy flood and raised up to new life. How has your faith caused you to sacrifice? Or has your faith, like mine from time to time, become too convenient and too easy and too consumer-minded? Those are tough questions. And so here we are on God's Work Our Hands weekend, right? It's an intentional practice of our denomination to take a break from our normal worship pattern our normal coming and going, to practice one element of our faith, sacrificial service, to go out into our communities, to
to serve our neighbors, to support the work of local partnerships, to put on hold temporarily for a weekend the thing that we seem to love the most, which is our Sunday gatherings, our worship, to go out and to show the world through a tangible way that we are about more than just worship in our buildings, that we are God's people that are sent out for the sake of the world. This is the ministry that Jesus was teaching his disciples as he knelt down and washed their feet, as he went from town to town, and even as he faced all of those false accusations. So may we be emboldened this weekend and this year to live out our faith with a renewed commitment, with a renewed sense of energy, and may we also ask those hard questions of ourselves. God, what is the cross you are calling me to bear? But the good news is also this. We don't bear those crosses alone. Even Christ had Simon of Cyrene to help carry his cross for a short while. And so in this community of faith, we bear one another's, bur- one another bur- one another's burdens. We walk hand in hand, learning the way of Jesus, which isn't always about us, but about the world God loves. And through that, we find new life, new hope, new purpose, new meaning. Amen? Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.